This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, January 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Dakota Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Ellie Shannon will be updating you on campus, and I'll be discussing local news. Then, KCSU Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum will be delivering the RMR Sports Report. Then we'll hear some important updates from the ASCSU Wednesday evening meeting, and I'll be delivering some national news. Then we'll be speaking to Frankie Wilcox about the German club in honor of the virtual involvement for this week. After that, Cuddle will update us on new COVID-19 statistics and tech news. To conclude the show, I'll update us on the strange things happening in the world. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hey guys, this is Ellie Shannon reporting for the Rocky Mountain Review on your latest CSU news this week. We're finally in face-to-face classes again as the second week of school began on Monday. Students are still required and encouraged to get saliva tests through the university to detect traces of COVID-19, so anyone who has in-person class, lives in the dorms, or faculty should get weekly tests. The university is working on becoming an age-friendly university, meaning they're working towards instating all age-inclusive programs and activities, according to CSU's news source, Hannah Halusker. It's said by the year 2060, the number of older adults will double, which is why age-inclusivity needs needs to be very important for the university in the future. There has been an ongoing debate about what the old site of Hughes Stadium should do for its future as well. There has been collaborative efforts between the city of Fort Collins and the university to open the site to housing for CSU employees, community health care, and child care services. This is not the first time CSU has made an effort to benefit both the campus and community, according to Mike Hooker and Karen Neth of the University News. More developments are to be made on this. CSU's bus route around the Horn has reduced its services effective as of January 25th, This is due to the lack of students and staff transporting to and from campus. With less activity, an 85% drop in ridership has occurred. This is also a move to protect drivers, which we all know is very important. Lastly, CSU basketball plays Boise State on Friday, so make sure to tune in at 9 p.m. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review as well as KCSU. I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're listening to 90.5 FM. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is your local news for today. Colorado Governor Jared Polis said in a press conference Tuesday that, while COVID-19 is finally beginning to reduce the amount of cases rather than rise, masks and social distancing will still be required in the months ahead. According to Molly Bohannon at The Coloradoan, Polis and state epidemiologist Rachel Herlihy emphasized that continuing to social distance and wear masks, in addition to distributing vaccines, will be key to preventing more COVID-19 deaths. Colorado is on track to vaccinate 70% of residents 70 and older before the end of February, and Polis is hopeful the vaccine will be widely available in the summer. Still, Herlihy cautioned the full benefit of the vaccine won't be seen, quote, for many months to come, end quote, which is why continuing strategies like mask wearing and distancing remain important. 
Colorado's current level of transmission control is at 78%, Hurley, he said. In maintaining that level throughout vaccine distribution is our best chance at minimizing deaths over time, end quote. If people revert back to not distancing or mask wearing, case numbers could spike again and de- decrease transmission control. A 78% transmission control rate means such behaviors, such as mask wearing and social distancing, have reduced the chances of being in contact with an infected person by 78%. Herlihy also discussed the role of variants of COVID-19, noting that the most common variant, B117, which originated in the UK and been diagnosed nine times in Colorado, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, did not have an impact on the efficacy of the vaccine in the state's model. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office is seeking the public's help in identifying the second juvenile suspect connected with a robbery at a 7-Eleven over the weekend. According to Sadie Swanson of the Coloradoan, Larimer County Sheriff's deputies responded to a reported armed robbery at 7-Eleven at 200 North Taft Hill Road in Fort Collins at about 1.30 a.m. Saturday. An employee was shot while chasing one of the suspects, according to a news release. The employee told investigators he was stocking items in the store when two males came in and one grabbed a carton of beer and both then fled the store. The employee chased the suspects into the parking lot, where he was shot by one of them, according to the sheriff's office. He was shot in the lower body, and his injuries were not life-threatening. About 1 a.m. Sunday, investigators in Fort Collins Police Services, SWAT, arrested a 16-year-old male at an apartment in the 100 block of Briarwood Road. The teen faces the following charges. Attempted first-degree murder, a Class 2 felony, first-degree assault, a Class 3 felony, aggravated robbery, a Class 3 felony, and possession of weapon by a previous offender, a Class 5 felony, and possession of a handgun by a juvenile, which is a Class 2 misdemeanor. KCSU is electing not to say his name because he is a juvenile. The teen is being charged as an adult in this case, the sheriff's office spokesperson David Moore said. Investigators are still searching for a second suspect. The employee described the second person as a white or Hispanic male around 17 years old, 5 foot 6, 100 to 140 pounds, with brown eyes. During the robbery, the suspect was wearing a black cloth mask, a black hoodie, black Adidas track pants or shorts, with white vertical lines on the legs, and black or white or silver Nike tennis shoes, and a black backpack with white or silver trim, according to the sheriff's office. Anyone with information about this incident can contact Sheriff's Office Investigator Kevin Hobson at 970-498-5162. That's today's local news. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be right back. Wow, that was a sweet sesh, dudes. Now what? I'm not too sure, but we have to get this out there somehow. How about KCSU? Sick, but how do we get them to play our music? Hold on, let's check their website. KCSUFM.com Cool. Well, looks like we have to fill out a form, a description, and give them a link to download our music. Nice, let's keep on rocking.
You just heard about recent crimes in Fort Collins and changes in COVID-19 precautions in Colorado. Now for the RMR Sports Report with Jonathan Gillum. Hello, everyone. It's Jonathan Gillum for KCSU Sports, and it's Thursday, which means it's the day before Friday, which means it's almost the weekend, and it's the last weekend of January. We're almost to February. What an exciting time. First and foremost, this weekend for Rams sporting events, we have men's basketball and women's basketball playing at Boise State tomorrow, Friday, the 29th. Women's will be playing at 1 p.m. The men's will be playing at 9 p.m. And that's Mountain Standard Time. And that's basketball against Boise State. And also, February means volleyball is starting. And those games will be broadcasted here on KCSU FM. That is exciting. Also, this weekend on the 31st is the NFL Pro Bowl. They have a whole lineup of events, including a Madden tournament between some players and former players. More information for that can be found at the NFL.com's website forward slash Pro Bowl. Additionally, another story in local news that I found very interesting is Ryan Osborne of Denver 7 reported that the Colorado sports betting, kind of a, a new trend that became legal in Colorado back in 2019, well, it topped $1 billion. And with this money, Colorado plans to help the water fund with it. The state collected $3,418,000 in tax revenue from sports betting wagers from May through December. So interesting to know where this sports betting money is going. And lastly, I just wanted to make a quick correction. I said on air that we were going to have four sports shows this year. Uh, we are, it is actually three shows, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday as of now, during the 7 to 9 p.m. slots. And it's going to be exciting. Monday, we're going to cover hot sports news. It's called the Sports Pod. Wednesday is going to be a baseball show. And Thursday, of course, our staple Rambler show where you're going to get all the awesome news on the Rams and there's going to be a lot to talk about because next just for example next weekend we have a swimming event men's basketball women's basketball and volleyball all playing all in the same weekend so lots of Ram sports to talk about and if you're also missing any deep dives into sports we have podcasts available on the Spotify app or through your podcasting app and we also have articles and more awesome content available at kcsufm.com. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. That was Jonathan Gillum. Now we're going to be hearing some of the statements from last night's ASCSU meeting, which was of heightened interest due to an increase in payroll for members of ASCSU's executive branch. In about 12 minutes, Cutter will deliver national news highlights. Hello there. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This report is a joint effort with CTV and the Collegian. 
Last night's Associated Students of Colorado State University meeting was of particular interest due to controversy surrounding a bill addressing the ASCSU executive branch's decision to give itself a pay raise with unused funds. The controversy became significantly ignited when a now-deleted post that became popular on the Colorado State Memes Instagram channel featured a meme insulting ASCSU President Hannah Taylor for the decision. Speaker pro tempore Tristan Reyes, who wrote the bill in question, explained the situation this way. The factual effect of the payroll increase is that the executive branch is planning on implementing are pretty complicated to explain. Um, the Supreme Court president and speaker of the Senate and the elections manager last year, last academic year, ordered that only specific positions um, be active and working over the summer. There was an order due to the pandemic that limited the amount of cabinet that could be hired for the summer to preserve pay for the fall. Um, there was money that was budgeted into the summer and fall um, that was not spent because specific positions that did not work over the summer and into the fall weren't hired until the new administration was elected and ratified into those positions. So essentially the whole summer and the fall have a chunk of money that was never billed because there was no one working in that position. Um, so the direct issue that this bill is trying to address is that in every single meeting I've had with advisors, accountants, student affairs officials, they've all stated that the decision um, to move that specific pay that is unallocated to the fall and spring semesters for the executive branch and the judicial um, branch that gets paid would be unethical. Um, it's not against the Constitution and the bylaws to do so. Um, it's not illegal against HR policy, but ethically pay increases without the approval of the Senate and without legislation, in my opinion, is wrong. The bill, in attempts to address this, called for regulations to be written that would require future pay raises for executive branch to first be approved by the Senate. The bill was met with criticism from Senator Kyle Hill, who had this to say about the bill. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I believe that this bill is unnecessary and once again, you know, shows our, you know, our hostility against the process that executive branch has been placed. We already appropriated these funds, I believe, in the beginning of the year. And as I mentioned, I think, in my question, is that when Congress in the United States gives it to the executive branch, he doesn't ask for, you know, pres the president of the United States doesn't ask the Congress every time whether to give them money or pay increases and all that. They, we put our trust when we have our yearly executive. We had the chance to say to do that, and we didn't take that chance. So that is kind of on us for why we didn't say our payroll increases. So therefore, we're, this is just another example of the micromanagement, I guess, on you know President Taylor, and I believe that you know we need to have a, um, a sit down, and I, I understand that, but you know, you know, this we are we had already allocated it, right? And I just feel like this you know bill is just unnecessary, and it's just you know a waste of time in which we can be using it to. Uh, you know, our, you know, serving our constituents with other important matters. These members that he, she, she increased in the, you know, increase for, you know, the winter break, for example, they work, you know, blood, sweat, and tears trying to make sure that our students are being, 
you know, during the winter break when they could be at home with their families, enjoying things, you know, Christmas and all that, they spent their time, their time to, to spend time to make sure that the students are being actively heard and actively, you know, supported with, for different measurements through all uh, president, the President Taylor's, you know, department. So don't you think that maybe they deserved a raise just a little bit? And, you know, and, you know, I just think that, so I think that this bill is an insult to the, uh, the job that President Taylor is doing. So therefore, I would strongly, strongly urge a no vote on this so we can keep our, the message of unity and show that we trust the executive branch and that they should trust us because this, these divisions are going on too long. And it's really bringing our organization to shambles, in my opinion. And I think that we need to come together more unified. And this is not the way to do it. This is not the way to do that. In the executive summary section of the meeting, ASCSU student body chief of staff Jasper Sloss gave the following speech about the situation. I'm lucky to serve students. I'm lucky to be here. And, and honestly, I feel like I'm part of this ASU, ASCSU family that works tire, tirelessly for its brethren of fellow officers, CSU students, professors, faculty, staff, Fort Collins community members, and really anyone that we, we come in contact with. I got adopted into this family not that long ago, um, but it definitely feels like a home to me. And as one big family, we're like any other. Our brothers and sisters fight. We argue, we bicker. That's part of being a family. Heck, I fought with my brothers my whole life when I was growing up. But I question tonight, is it more important to us to come out on top, to be right, whether it is true or not? Or can we settle disagreements and remember that's what's most important is having valuable experiences together and making an impact on each, on each other and those around us. As the ASCSU family, I believe it's our duty, our integral obligation to put students first at all times, no matter what, and never ourselves. So today is a sad day for me. I saw us lose focus. Uh, I saw us believing that, that we ourselves were our own enemies. I saw someone use a social media page with 17,000 followers, more than we'll ever get an outreach to, and almost exclusively stu CSU students who are, <laughs> by our constitution, fellow members of ASCSU, provide inaccurate, incomplete, and, and in my opinion, slanderous information. I saw our student body president, President Taylor, who for the last three and a half years has worked tirelessly on behalf of students and student government in Rocky Mountain Student Media, Greek Life, and countless other clubs in organizations. I saw her watch as her own name was dragged through the mud, thrown under the bus, and directly insulted by people who had never met her, never heard the term discretionary payroll allocation, and never even asked her a question. President Taylor, why were the funds allocated? I guarantee she would immediately give anyone a comprehensive, honest answer and talk with them until they were satisfied. And I ran against her, and I, and I can say this, whether I work for her now or not. So that's why I'm here tonight. Honesty. And here's my honesty. Our wonderful branch went over payroll information. Or sorry, our wonderful judicial branch went over payroll information. So I have a document to release to the Senate here um, that we could also send out a weekly report.
I'll not read through it, but in short, discretionary payroll was allocated to make up for numerous shortcomings in cabinet members' pay. We encourage the legislative branch to do the same if they saw the same faults. Cabinet members lost multiple pay periods while the same work was required over the course of the year. Their pay has not changed with minimum wage increases nor cost of living hikes nor, in, nor inflation. And we wanted to compensate for the volunteer work that was done all through winter break. So we did it with discretionary payroll, which was sitting there for that purpose and that purpose alone. I understand that this may be disagreed upon and I fully respect that. And I encourage discussion and questions, but President Taylor also fully acted within our capabilities to utilize discretionary payroll to make up for the faults in the current system. And I strongly advised her to do so. So with all that being said, I ask us here today, tonight, where do we go from here? What do you want from tomorrow, from next week, from the week after, and from the rest of the semester and, and the time that we all have left in our roles because it's coming to an end? I know <laughs> more than anything, I want students to smile. I want students to be supported, to trust ASCSU has their back, to have financial backing, food insecurity solutions, affordable transportation, ethical housing, and most of all, whatever, and I mean whatever, they need from us, ASCSU. And I'm ready to make that happen. I guarantee President Taylor is from, <laughs> the way too many minutes, hours, and days that we spend together. I know Hannah is, and so is Noah, and so is Clayton and every single one and every single member of our cabinet to give whatever time it takes, whatever time it takes. But I, and many of them also have only so much time. I have school, I have a family, I have other obligations. And so my time for ASCSU, sad as it is, is limited to the remaining time I have in the 18 hours that I divide between those things when I'm not sleeping. And many of us are in similar situations. And I hope that resonates, that we only get so much time to do the valuable work that we do here and we do every day. Many of us battle to be here every day. So I leave us with this. How will we utilize our time for students? Will we dedicate it all to internal matters disagreements and minute specifics? Or will we dabble in that? Will we figure out what is wrong, but focus our majority of our efforts on fulfilling our obligation to those we serve and turn our focus outward to provide opportunities, resources, and invaluable services to the very students that we have pledged, promised, and taken an oath to serve? I myself make that commitment right here, right now, tonight. I promise I will not lose focus. And I'll spend the rest of my 94 days, give or take, depending on what elections manager may determines, to serving students' needs and never my own. If you agree, if you resonate, if you want the same, please, 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 please reach out. Let's connect. Let's collaborate. Email me at ASCSU underscore chief underscore of underscore staff at mail.collestate.edu. You can find it on the website. If you would prefer my phone number, I'll give you my phone number. If you want to meet via Zoom, I will schedule a Zoom. If you want to call me, I will pick up the phone. If you want to text me, I will read your text and I will not leave you unread. I will listen. I will share and I know our cabinet will do the same. And together, we can and will continue to serve students. Thank you. Thank you all. 
My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. You just heard some of the statements and arguments from last night's ASESU meeting. We'll be back in about two minutes with national news highlights. In a little over five minutes, we'll be hearing from Frankie Wilcox, a German instructor at CSU who also serves as the faculty advisor of CSU Deutsch Club, also referred to as the German Club. KCSU thanks Tribal Rights for their continued underwriting support. Tribal Rights is located on College Avenue in Old Town, Fort Collins, and is a full custom tattoo, body piercing, and jewelry studio. Learn more at tribalrightstattoo.com. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for Thursday. The Department of Homeland Security issued a warning regarding domestic violent extremists. According to Laurel Wamsley at National Public Radio, no specific threat was outlined by the DHS, but the warning said that there was, quote, a heightened threat environment across the United States, which the DHS believes will persist in the weeks following the successful presidential inauguration, end quote. The bulletin also said, quote, information suggests some ideologically motivated violent extremists with objections to the exercise of governmental authority and the presidential trans transition, as well as other perceived grievances fueled by false narratives, could continue to mobilize to incite or commit violence." End quote. DHS bulletins such as this one usually describe current trends related to terrorism threats, and they tend to be issued once or twice a year. President Joe Biden is continuing work to address the climate crisis. According to the Associated Press, Biden signed several executive orders aimed at transforming the fossil fuel economy in the U.S. into one that is more dependent on cleaner energy sources on Wednesday. This started with a ban on leasing of federal land for oil and gas extraction purposes and directives con to conserve at least 30% of U.S. lands by 2031. The directive also aims to double offshore wind energy production and make the switch to electric cars for all federal vehicles. Biden's new goal is to eliminate fossil fuel pollution by 2035. Biden is also targeting subsidies previously given to the fossil fuel industry. Facebook's new oversight board is ordering the platform to restore some posts that were previously removed from, for violating community standards. According to Shannon Bond at National Public Radio, the posts broke Facebook's rules regarding hate speech, misinformation, and other issues. These restored posts do not include any of Donald Trump's posts or his account, but the board overruled a few lesser-known post removals, including one that claimed intellectual inferiority of a religious group, one that quoted but didn't clearly promote a quote from Nazi official Joseph Goebbels, a post related to nudity and breast cancer awareness, 
and one user's post of a false cure for COVID-19. These posts were restored based on the level of harm the posts were capable of doing. The group did uphold a decision made by Facebook to remove a post which used a slur against an ethnic group because of the clear goal of dehumanizing the group. Emmett Till's home gained status as a landmark in Chicago on Wednesday. According to Grace Hawk at USA Today, the Chicago City Council made the official designation five months after our rally mourning the 65th anniversary of Till's murder. Emmett Till was a black child who was murdered by two white men while visiting relatives after being accused of inappropriate contact with a white woman in a grocery store. The two men who murdered Till were acquitted of their charges, but the woman later admitted to lying about him touching her. Till's mother held an open casket funeral and allowed the press to capture photos of his remains, which were severely mutilated following his murder. The photos sparked national outrage and fueled a generation of racial, racial justice advocates. Till's mother dedicated her life to preserving her son's legacy and fighting against racism. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for National News Highlights. We'll be right back with an interview with Frankie Wilcox, the faculty advisor for the CSU Deutsch Club, also referred to as the German Club. Today I'm joined with Frankie Wilcox, who is a senior instructor of German, a first-year teaching coordinator, and the faculty advisor of CSU's German club, also referred to as Deutsch Club. To start off with, what, who exactly is the club open to? Is it open to exclusively beginners, people who have German heritage, or is it something that anyone can try? Yes, that's a great question. So as far as German Club is concerned, since it is a student organization through CSU, um, it is actually run entirely in German, or I'm sorry, in English. And so um, there's no need for any sort of language background. Um, so it really is open to anyone um, who is affiliated with CSU. Um, there's also though uh, Stammtisch, which is the German conversational group, and that meets after the German club meeting. And um, Stammtisch is designed to give students the opportunity to speak or if they want to just listen in German. So, you know, that includes beginners, of course, there'll be less speaking, more listening, all the way up through, you know, myself, I always join in, some of my colleagues, and that's open to all members of the community, anybody who's interested in just getting together and speaking German. All right, and then there are a lot of benefits to learning about different cultures. What do you think um, is the greatest benefit that people have to learn about German culture through Deutsch Club or through the conversational group? Yes, so that's a great question too. So, I mean, as far as the culture cultural aspect is concerned, um, we, so I get together with the German club officers and we decide on topics for each meeting. And all those topics are cultural topics. So, you know, things we have done in the past would be centered around food, around music, around specific holidays. For example, um, October 3rd is Germany's reunification day. It's their national holiday. So then we would um, have more information about that. You know, what does it entail? Uh, Mardi Gras, for example, you know, Karneval, Fasching in German, um, that's coming up shortly. We're actually gonna have um, an event this year through Zoom and, um, you know, talking about um, right, how is it celebrated and what is the background of, of that? And so, yeah, it can vary from, uh, we talked about dialects, you know, what are some of the different dialects and what do they sound like? So whether it's linguistically speaking culturally speaking, um, even certain stereotypes, you know, I mean, again, stereotypes, typically not true, of course, to the whole population. So really just a whole, whole huge variety of different topics to really, um, yeah, know a little bit more about the culture. 
what are some of the events that the German club is normally involved with, whether it be a carpool trip or an actual hosted event at CSU when COVID isn't in the way? Sure. And I'm glad you mentioned when COVID isn't in the way. There's so much that we do when COVID is not in the way, right? It's It's been a lot harder to navigate that since last semester. But yes, um, I mean, starting with the fall, we always participate in RAM Welcome, kind of, you know, to um, spread to the incoming freshmen what we're about, what do we do, how can you join in? And then we also um, transition into kind of the highlight of the fall semester. It's our hiking trip, our hiking weekend. So we typically go to um, the Breckenridge area, so Summit County, for Friday and Saturday night, and usually in a September. And then we go on a big hike, usually about a seven mile hike on Saturday. We come back, we cook German food. You know, I usually get all the food, I buy the groceries and then the students help cook. So it's also a cooking lesson is involved, board games. So it's really fun. It's a really fun weekend. Um, and then we also do trick or treating for cans. Um, and so of course on Halloween, instead of trick-or-treating and asking for candy, we ask for non-perishable food items. And those are then um, just collected around my neighborhood typically. And I put them all into my car and donate it to a local food bank. And on average, we donate about 200 pounds of food after only just one night of kind of trick-or-treating for cans, so to speak. And then um, we also do the, um, let's see, the uh, World Unity Fair. Um, that's and also gonna be a little bit different. So that's coming up in the spring. The World Unity Fair is gonna be online this year, but typically we're in the Lori Student Center. We do an activity with children, um, usually cuckoo clocks. We have little paper cutouts and then we put the hands on the clock and the kids can, can um, with crayons, color it. And we also sell a Kinderglühwein. So it's the non-alcoholic version of a traditional beverage. Um, and uh, so we also do CSU events like that. The other one we do is um, CSU Unity. And that's always in the springtime, right? That would be this semester. And um, they always set us up with local community members in need for usually help with garden work. They're usually um, the elderly who can't stain their deck or do some of the pruning, that kind of stuff. So, so we definitely do community service as well as um, cultural events. So just kind of spreading the culture around the community. Um, Oktoberfest is also a big one. We always participate in the Loveland Oktoberfest. We always have our own booth. Um, and uh, the German club t-shirts that students design, we sell our t-shirts there. And that fundraiser is designed as part of our German club scholarship. So each year, um, study abroad scholarship, those who seek to study abroad can submit an application and based on their involvement with German club and uh, what they would like to do with the scholarship, um, we raise funds for it that we can then award to a deserving student to help offset their expenses. So um, those are just some of the events. There's a few more trickled in there too, but. Mm -hmm. And then going back off of that, um, how, do you, how have you guys been able to really cultivate community and still have fun together while learning about the culture with COVID? 
Right. And so we've had to, of course, just like um, most things, uh, host it through Zoom. And so what we've still done, though, is every other Wednesday, we have both the German club meeting from 630 to 7 p.m. And then starting at 7 and typically for about an hour from 7 to 8 p.m., um, we have the conversational group Stammtisch. And so it still worked well because we still have our topics instead of just, you know, sitting at either in a coffee shop or the semester prior we went to post brewing in old town because that way we could sit on just a huge table and everybody could gather around um however you know in the online forum just having everybody in zoom um they're still able to share whatever the topic may be and screen share and i, I guess in a certain regard certain things are easier because if somebody wanted to share a video or share some pictures as opposed to passing a smartphone around you know they can screen share and everybody from home on their computer screen is still able to view all that information um, and then of course with the conversational group um we just kind of pick a topic and then you know the, the only thing that's a little bit different is that you know as opposed to maybe having two or three conversations and the one conversation naturally leads into other it's more of a bigger group conversation um so i would say that's the only difference but as far as the german club meetings are concerned and the conversational group it's really been well and alive we've been able to maintain it even throughout COVID. That's great to hear. And then um, if, if students are interested in checking out the German club, who would they contact or where would they go? Yes, sure. And so anyone who um, is interested, they can, of course, reach out to me since I'm the faculty advisor. Um, so just frankie.wilcox at colostate.edu, and I can um, forward them information. Or we also have a direct um, German club email, which would then just get forwarded to the German club secretary, um, who's a German student, the officer. And um, that's CSU German Club at gmail.com. And CSU German Club is just all lowercase one word um, at gmail.com. And um, they would also be able to get further information that way. And we also have um, a Facebook page and Instagram. Um, and that's, you know, mainly, of course, for all those highlights of the hiking weekend, Oktoberfest, you know, all those great events that we do with pictures, um, which granted during COVID, we, you know, we're not going to, I guess, screenshot and, and and post our zoom meetings online but theoretically post you know after covid um we'll keep our facebook page it's um however instead of csu german club it's actually deutsch club um would be if you were to search for that group it would be csu and then deutsch club K K L U B um for the group and same thing on instagram so yeah and then what's your favorite thing about running the german club Oh, you know, I just my favorite thing is just being able to interact with students and with community members alike. Um, for Stammtisch, we usually have two members who who always show up, who always um, are there to participate. And these are just members who live in the community, who once lived in Germany, um, one who once worked in Germany, and now they're in for Collins. And they're really missing the opportunity to connect with people and speak German. So just meeting people outside of CSU, I think, is fun because then they're connected to, to not only myself, but other students, you know? And so just forming those connections, I think just connections, networking is always great. And yeah, just being able to, you know, I, there's only so much you can do in the classroom. So I think it's just a nice addition just to be able to connect students at different language levels to one another 
um, you know, beginners, intermediate, advanced speakers, and um, they can form a relationship that way too. So it's like a little family, you know, everything just kind of feeds off other things. So. Yeah, definitely. And then before we go, what else would you like to add in about the German program at CSU, German club, any of those? Sure. Yes. So, you know, I think the German program at CSU, it's very beneficial to really any um, major. So any primary major, you know, for those students who've already chosen a major, um, it is possible to add German as a second major or at least to add a minor because it really complements any field you can think of. I mean, as far as thinking of German companies, you know, whether it's in apparel and design, of course, engineering, you know, especially mechanical engineering, the automotive industry in Germany, um, banking, right? Economics, business students, um, the arts. I mean, really any college, any field you can think of, medical field, right, pharmaceuticals, anything like that. There are major companies, and not just from Germany, but also Austria, right, Red Bull, Switzerland, you know, a lot of pharmaceuticals there, also banking, um, Liechtenstein even, you know, they have a lot of dental equipment. But, um, you know, by and large, it's just um, very beneficial to students, you know, just to kind of set themselves apart from others in their major, in their field, well, what makes you special? Ultimately, you know, what gives you that, that advantage upon graduation to be able to maybe even work um, internationally, you know, not just work in America, or maybe have connections or get a job offer because you do have that language and also cultural component is really important, right? Just knowing um, how to interact with people in another culture, you know, what are some of the things to do, not to do, customs. So um, yeah, so the German program as a whole, I mean, we're um, a small section, but we are all very close. We know each other very well and, and we're really there. We're really here to serve the students. So, you know, well, you'll never have anything unanswered, that's for sure. All right, thank you so much. Again, that is Frankie Wilcox, the faculty advisor for CSU's Deutsch Club. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you very much, Coda. It's been great and I appreciate it. students. The University Center for the Arts, which houses music, theater, dance, opera, and the CSU Marching Band, produces more than 250 events per year. Student fees cover tickets to any performance at the UCA, so it's no charge for students to attend. For more information about performances and special events, or to reserve your ticket, visit csuartstickets.com. That's csuartstickets.com. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. You just heard from Frankie Wilcox of the CSU Deutsch Club. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is COVID-19 Updates for Thursday. Colorado State University has a cumulative total of over 2,000 cases of COVID-19 since May 2020. Students and faculty living on campus or come in campus for in-person classes regularly are expected to be screening on a weekly basis. For more information on screening and CSU's COVID-19 precautions, you can visit covid.colostate.edu. 
Larimer County has a total of nearly 17,500 cases of COVID-19, and nearly 200 people have died as a result of the disease. There are 307 outbreaks in the county, and that Larimer County is considered to be at high risk for COVID-19 transmission. On Colorado's dial, work, dial framework, Larimer County is in the level orange, high risk category, and the intensive care facilities in the county are nearly full. There have been 86 new cases in the past 24 hours, and every day in the past two weeks has seen over 15 new cases. Only one day in the past two weeks has seen over 10% of tests administered come back positive, and the 14-day case rate for the county is 291 per 100,000 residents. There are 46 COVID patients currently receiving treatment in hospitals. Hospital utilization is at 75% and ICU utilization is at 92%, meaning that ICUs are largely unavailable at the moment in the county. In the state of Colorado, there are over 390,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 5,500 deaths among those cases. There are nearly 3,500 outbreaks in Colorado and over 2.3 million people have been tested for the virus that causes COVID-19. One in 115 Colorado residents are currently infectious, according to a press release from the state health department. While overall hospital demand and new cases are starting to decline since the holiday season, infections of COVID-19 do remain widespread in the state. There are around 25.6 million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S., making up about a quarter of the world's case numbers. Nearly 430,000 people in the U.S. have died of COVID-19. The nation is on an, a decline in new cases, which have gone down by 34% over the past two weeks. Deaths have also gone down by about 1% in the same time period, and hospitalizations have gone down by 14%. Information for this segment was gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, National Public Radio, the New York Times Live Coronavirus Tracker, and the Centers for Disease Control. The only current ways to protect yourself from COVID-19 without both doses of the vaccine include washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soap and water, regularly using hand sanitizer, avoiding touching your face, wearing a cloth face mask or medical grade face mask, staying at home when possible, and maintaining social distance when interacting with others outside of your household. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for COVID-19 updates. Now for tech news. Glass cases, and they're local. Yo, this slaps. Who is this? Plasma candles, they're local too. Yo, dude, this freaking slaps. Like, who is this? This is Zerk, and I know they're local. Your new favorite band is right in your backyard. Find them here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Disney is removing some films from its Disney Plus Kids profiles due to racist stereotypes. According to Beyond Steven, from The Verge, Peter Pan, Dumbo, and The Aristocats are all among the blocked movies. Adult accounts will still be able to view the movies, but now with a warning that will be included. The warning says, quote, This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than to remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. 
Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. End quote. Previously, Disney added labels for other movies in 2019, although wording was different. This is part of Disney's effort to combat exclusion within the company, along with the Stories Matter initiative. Tiltbrush, a virtual reality painting tool by Google, is now open source. The program was launched in 2016, and Google is now discontinuing new work on the painting tool. The code for it is now publicly available, and anyone with the necessary knowledge is allowed to make their own version of the app. Virtual reality researcher Max Wiesel said of the open source update, quote, Tilt brush shaped so much of the VR ecosystem. Open sourcing, the tool is such an incredible gift to the community, end quote. The program will no longer be updated, and it can still be purchased in virtual reality app stores for those who are not able to code. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said that the social media platform is planning to reduce political content on the site. According to Kaya Yoriev from CNN Business, multiple states have previously sued Facebook for monopolizing social media, and the platform continues to be criticized for hate speech on the site. On a conference call, Zuckerberg said, quote, one of the top pieces of feedback we're hearing from our community right now is that people don't want politics and fighting to take over their experience on our services, end quote. That's all for tech news. Now for Weird News with Ivy Winfrey. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Sometimes we need to hear something that's weird. So here's some of the weirdest stories that I've heard from around the world today. New Zealand's tourism agency has called upon people to stop taking influencer-inspired photos on, at tourist hotspots in favor of more original ideas. According to the BBC, a new video campaign released by the New Zealand Tourism Agency features comedian Tom Sainsbury criticizing social media photos such as a picture of one's back in a hot tub or holding one's arms out on a mountain summit, calling them cliché. The video, titled Traveling Under the Social Influence, is a part of Tourism New Zealand's Do Something New campaign, which was launched last year after borders closed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Scenic spots in New Zealand, such as the tree in Lake Wanaka in the nearby Roy's, Roy's Peak, are among the most popular destinations for social media photos, with many striking the same poses. Bjorn Spritzer, Tourism New Zealand's domestic manager, told local news site Stuff about the campaign, quote, There are so many incredible things to do in New Zealand beyond the social trends, end quote. The rise in virtual meetings are spurring a rise in the sales of books to be used as backgrounds for these virtual calls. According to the BBC, Book Barn International, which sells and lends books in bulk to be used as backgrounds for television shows and movies, is seeing a significant rise in the sales from individual customers compared to film companies. Company CEO Nick Bates said people were buying from him to enhance the background of their Zoom calls, saying demand from home workers has risen from a handful of purchases to 10 sales per week. One customer who wished to be anonymous said, quote, Finishing off my home office this way has created a structured, soothing space that has allowed me to work very productively from home. It has also generated a fair bit of banter at my expense on Zoom Teams calls when we all need these times keeps us going. The company has also supplied books for the sets of Marvel films in Netflix's series Sex Education and Outlander, among others. 
An international weapons ban has gone into place, but the ban is not being upheld by any of the world's major nuclear powers. According to Dan Saba at The Guardian, an international treaty banning all nuclear weapons that has been ratified by 51 countries and that campaigners hope will raise the profile of the global deterrence efforts was put into effect January 22nd. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, or the TPNW, outlaws the creation, ownership, and deployment of nuclear weapons by signatory states and places obligations on them to assist other victims of nuclear weapons use and testing. However, among the countries that signed were none of the nations that maintain nuclear weapons stockpiles, including all the members of NATO, China, and Russia. Countries have, that have ratified the agreement include Nigeria, Malaysia, Ireland, Malta, Thailand, Mexico, South Africa, Bangladesh, New Zealand, Vietnam, and the Vatican City. Although last autumn, the U.S. made a last-ditch lobbying attempt to try to convince countries to rescind their signatures. That effort failed. In October, Honduras became the 50th country to sign the document, which means that it would gain legal force after a 90-day period. Rebecca Johnson, a veteran disarmament campaigner and leading figure behind the de development of the treaty, said, quote, This is an example of UN multilateralism in action. Britain needs to be at the table, taking next steps towards ridding the world of nuclear weapons. End quote. And that's all the weird news I have for today. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be right back. This is Adam, Garrett, Kevin, and Sky from A Novel Form. Fellas, too. <laughs> and now for the weather. Today we saw partly cloudy skies and moderate winds reaching 5 miles per hour with a high of 47 and a low of 26. Friday will warm up a bit to a high of 54 and a low of 33, once again with partly cloudy skies and winds reaching 7 miles per hour. Saturday, you can expect partly cloudy skies and a high of 47 with a low of 25. Winds will be increasing pretty dramatically to 19 miles per hour. Sunday, clouds will be heading out, leaving the area with sunny skies, moderate winds and at 8 miles per hour, and a high of 47 with a low of 24. Monday, clouds will come back, but it will warm up to a predicted high of 52 and a low of 28, about the same wind speeds on, as Sunday. On Tuesday, Clouds will once again head out and winds will remain about the same with, with a high of 53 and a low of 28. And for Wednesday, you'll have to tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review next week on Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Information for this segment comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests, Frankie Wilcox, as well as Thomas Taylor, Asher Korn, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Elliot Hutchinson, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. 
And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.